You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Amen. Have a seat, everybody. Great job, Casey. Awesome, man. That was fun. It's awesome to praise God together. It's awesome to uh, sing. You guys are the choir. You know that, right? We're just, we're just up here trying to help you guys sing. But it does help when you have a great singer uh, to lead. You know, it makes us all sound better. Uh, it's awesome to be together. Uh, I don't have the clicker, Fidel. I don't know what happened to it. So maybe one of the tech folks could come up uh, with that. Uh, great to see everybody today. Uh, my wife, Dessa, is not here. She is in Florida for the weekend. She left on Thursday. Um, a couple of our best friends, Marshall and Sean Mead, moved over to uh, Florida to lead the church uh, there in Orlando a couple years ago. And uh, uh, she just turned 50. And my, friend, my best friend, Marshall, he's uh, awesome, has a lot of qualities. Uh, sensitivity to his wife is not one of them. And uh, I mean, he's learning, but he, uh, he, he forgot her birthday last year, her 49th birthday. Uh, they were on a trip and uh, somebody else, uh, you know, they were like with other ministers and somebody comes up to Sean and is like, happy birthday. And then Marshall's like, oh no. Um, so this year it was her 50th. And so he really wanted to do something. So he's like, I couldn't come up with anything except flying Dessa out. So Dessa is, uh, he flew her out for the weekend to celebrate her 50th together. So that's where she is. She gets back tomorrow. Uh, but a few things here. It's great to be back in our space uh, for one week. We are not here next week. Actually, we're here at Botanic, but where we are is at the, the amphitheater. So I just want to show you a picture of, it's right now. So if you walk out here and go straight through the beautiful rose garden, down the hill, it'll be on your left, and there'll be ushers to direct you. But that's where we're going to have worship next Sunday for uh, most of us, uh, the, at least the marrieds and teens. The singles have a singles worship service with all of the Los Angeles Church of Singles. That's going to be at Miracosta High School. So if you know anybody that's single, that's interested in God, I would send them over there. It's at uh, 2 o'clock, 2 p.m., uh, so you could even bring them uh, if you want. Uh, there'll be plenty of room. It's at our, our, our big spot where we had our regional last week. It was great being together with everybody last week. Uh, so that was really awesome. So that's where the singles will be next week. So anyway, that is, uh, that's the amphitheater next week. So don't, don't, if you come here, though, something else can be happening here. So you'll know right away, oh, that's not where we are. So uh, there's uh, Mark and Sheila checking it out and making sure it's up to code. So... Uh, so that, yeah, that, that's great. So, so we are doing this uh, new series. We just started it at the Koi Pond uh, two, two weeks ago called Good Work. And uh, what we're talking about is how our faith um, influences our, our walk, our daily walk, and kind of what we do and how we live our lives. Um, do you want me to switch to this uh, or just keep, keep talking? One, one, two, two. I'm going to... It's so, it's, as a speaker, there's nothing more distracting than your voice sounding weird. It's like I can't think about anything else except how it's not sounding right. We checked it earlier and it sounded okay too. But I can switch to a wired mic if that's better. It's just that ringy. Hello, hello. Ooh. Echo. Okay, that's a little better, right? Is that better? Somewhat marginally better? Okay. Yeah, it's still sort of. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna do this. Okay. I'm 
going to kill this thing. I'm going to use this mic here, okay? I'll go the. Uh, I'll go this way. Okay. Oh yeah. Feels better, right? You can turn it down, though. Yo, yo. Okay. It's got some some uh, reverb on it too, I think. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so talking about work, uh, and today the the title of the lesson today is work as a calling. Work as a calling. Uh, I'm going to turn this speaker. If we can get it to not feedback now, is that better? Sort of better. Okay. Uh, so work as a calling. So this is uh, uh, the idea of work being uh, something that God has called you to. Uh, so so it's it's not just who you are on Sunday that makes you a Christian. It's who you are all the time, right? So we're talking about uh, work, not seeing it just as somewhere you got to go to make money so you can do the other things you want to do, but how could work be viewed as part of God's plan for your life and part of what God wants to do with your life in, in, in terms of impacting other people? And, and we believe, if you're new to the church, we believe the church is not just a building. Obviously, we are in a very different space than a normal church service. Uh, we don't believe that church is even an event that you attend, like a Sunday event you attend, but it's the people that you're around. It's, it's people that, that you... Uh, uh, invest your life in and with. And uh, this is, I think this is actually a, a cool time to, to be, have that view towards church and have that view of a Christian. It's a very early view. That's the view Jesus had, and that's the view his followers had of the church. Uh, it's not a view through a lot of church history, but it's a, it's a great view to have now. People are changing in the way they view God in our world and the way they view church. I was reminded of this this week uh, or last couple weeks, um, talking to some people. Uh, I play volleyball at the YMCA on Friday mornings or Friday afternoons, and I was playing with these guys, and they're talking about on Sunday, and how on Sunday morning when they play volleyball, it's the most packed time anybody plays volleyball is Sunday morning, and and there's just you know two courts, at least four or five teams, everybody's playing volleyball. And it was like, so they were kind of complaining about it. It's not that fun because it's hard to, you know, you don't get to play that much and stuff. And I was like, well, you're helping me uh, right now because I go to church on Sunday morning. So at least I know I'm not missing out, you know, on, on playing volleyball with the rest of you. But, but when I was a kid, it was kind of like Sunday mornings was sort of protected time. You know, people typically went to church. A lot of, you know, not everybody went to church, but people at least felt like you should go to church on Sunday morning, you know, so they would maybe feel guilty doing other things. But, but I mean, people didn't all go to church, but at least there was sort of that kind of view in our, in our society. But that's not the way it is anymore. Uh, Sunday morning is like, oh, cool, I get to go do this or go do that. We were at a restaurant a few weeks ago with uh, Sherwin and Jennifer. They showed us this cool restaurant. We were on a retreat with the elders of our church over the weekend. And so we had a little space. Uh, we, we had our, our service a little later on Sunday. As we went to breakfast at this place on, I think it was brunch or something on Sunday. And we had been talking at this retreat about reaching millennials, reaching people who are, you know, in their early 30s or late 20s and uh, kind of that subset of people and how we can make the church effective to them. And we went to this restaurant. What was it called? The Spot or something? Snooze. The, oh, Snooze. Okay, yeah, the Snooze. And uh, we went to this restaurant and I was the oldest person there. It was like only millennials in here. And it's breakfast plus uh, 
alcohol. <laughs> and, uh, and it's a really cool, trendy, cool spot inside. And I'm like, this is where all the millennials are on Sunday. I found them. You know, they're all here. Uh, but that's kind of our world. And so we being disciples of Jesus, representatives of Christ everywhere that we go and everything we do, we're, we're like taking church to people rather than bringing people to church. Hopefully we, people do come to church eventually. But, but we're trying to think about how can we be, how can we represent us? How can we represent the people of God wherever we are? And that includes work, of course. So turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And I'll give you a reminder of what we talked about at the Koi Pond uh, two weeks ago. And hopefully we'll have this updated on our website and on the, uh, I think it's on YouTube, but uh, we'll have it on the, the podcast as well soon. So last week, the title of the lesson was, or two weeks ago, Garden Work. And uh, we were talking about how in the very beginning of the Bible is a garden, and God planted that garden, and God put a man and a woman there to work that garden. And so work is good. It's part of God's creation. It's there from the beginning. It's there before the fall. Uh, work shouldn't be seen as bad. Now, there are bad aspects of work, and, and we live in a fallen world, and Satan tries to influence our work, but work in and of itself is a good thing. God is shown to be at work in the very beginning of the Bible. And the Hebrew word that's used for God at work is, is the word used for just ordinary, regular kind of work, not just uh, what the Greeks saw as the higher levels of, of society where you just only use your mind or you only philosophize or you only use mental work, not, not you know, work with your hands or your body. That's what well, was Greek thinking, but, but it's different in the Bible in that God is shown to be at work with his hands and at work with, you know, just the regular manual labor, the craftsmanship uh, is what God is shown to be doing. Work is good. And we talked about how we're all gardeners, that in the very beginning of the Bible, God is creating and he's cultivating and he's taking chaos and bringing something beautiful and bringing order out of chaos. And that's what we all do as workers at whatever your career path is or, or, or school path uh, for, the, for the teens, you are... You are to partner, if you're going to be a, a follower of Jesus, you are to partner with God in bringing order and beauty to this world, taking chaos and bringing something beauty out of it. And in a real practical sense, that's even what we do if we make products or if we create art or if we create code, computer code, or if we organize filing systems or whatever it is that you do, you can see it as, okay, this is godly work. I'm creating, I'm cultivating. And so we are all gardeners. So today we're talking about work as a calling. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, um, I want to kind of give you a background of this word calling. And the, the word in the New Testament for calling is usually often used with the idea of God calling us into salvation, calling us into a relationship with him through the saving power of Jesus and his blood. And it's also used to describe partnering with God in bringing that message of salvation to uh, the lost world. So a few scriptures you can jot down about our calling. Romans 8.30, uh, 1 Corinthians 1.9, those talk about being called and into a relationship with God. Partnering with God, to, to serving God, uh, and that kind of calling is in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. Uh, and, and, and together we are the called out. Like the, the word that's been translated church in the Bible um, Church is kind of, a, it came from the, 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 the uh, German word that, that was added much, much later when the Bible was translated in English. They put this German word into there because what the church looked like at the time the Bible was translated into English was not at all what the church is in the Bible. Does that make sense? So when they're translating it, they're like, oh, 
this isn't what we have. We have a bunch of buildings. So they put in this word, German word that means a building. But that's not church. Church, the word uh, in Greek, the Bible was written in Greek, is ekklesia, which means the called out. So it's the, the, the people who've been called by God, called out of something for a special purpose. And it was a word that was used for the, 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 the Roman Senate uh, or this idea of special people that are kind of called to, 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 uh, to, to fulfill some task. But it was the people. It wasn't a building or an institution or a place or a, an event. Does that make sense? So we are together, the called. But then uh, there's this other, this verse in 1 Corinthians 7 that's kind of curious where it talks more than just being called to salvation, it, it seems to be uh, a little bit more involving your whole life in 1 Corinthians 7. And the context here, just to give it to you, they were asking, the Corinthians were asking about marriage, some questions about marriage, some questions about sexuality. You can kind of read all the surrounding chapters there in 1 Corinthians to get more context. But that's what they're talking about. So Paul is talking about marriage. He's saying, uh, if, you, if, you're, if you become a disciple of Jesus and your spouse doesn't want to follow Jesus, don't divorce them. Don't, don't separate from them. Stay together. Because you never know. You know, you never know if your spouse might become a Christian. So that's kind of what he's in the middle of talking about. And then he says this, verse 17, 1 Corinthians 7, 17. However that may be, let each of you, and I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, which is kind of closest to the Greek. However that may be, let each of you lead the life that the Lord has assigned to which God called you. Let me read that again. Let each of you lead the life that the Lord has assigned to which God called you. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. But obeying the commandments of God is everything. Let each of you remain in the condition in which you were called. Were you a slave when called? Do not be concerned about it. Even if you can gain your freedom, make use of your present condition now more than ever. For whoever was called in the Lord as a slave is a freed person belonging to the Lord. Just as whoever was free when called is a slave of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of human masters. In whatever condition you were called, brothers and sisters, there remain with God. So I got to give you a little more context. When he's talking about slavery, so about half of the disciples in the early church were most likely slaves. Slavery was a huge part of, of Roman society. And people would come in and out of slavery. So he talks about being freed or being slaves or be, being free and then becoming slaves. So if someone was uh, conquered by the Romans, they would become slaves often. A lot of that populace would become slaves. Slavery was not race-based, as in in our American history, and it and it was a it was a, a fluid condition. Someone could uh, be freed by paying for their slavery, uh, paying to, to be freed from their slavery, or someone else paying for them, or sometimes they would be set free. You know, it, it's a it's it's different than American slavery looked like. But it was very real. It was very much an institutional part of, of, you know, most of human history, actually. But particularly in the time this was written. And so he, the, the people who are receiving this, half of them are probably uh, indentured servants. They're slaves, and then half are not, or something like that. We don't know exactly in, in Corinth what the situation was. 
But, but, but he's saying that God has called you to a, a specific life. And so even if you have a life as a slave, your life can have meaning and purpose. And you can view that as a calling from God, that life that you're living. That's a good, I, I don't know, for, for, you, for me, that's a good thing to think about. Because even if your job, you feel like, I hate this job, or I don't like my boss, or I feel stuck. It's possible to still uh, feel like God is working through you and in you. And, and Paul isn't saying, you know, not to say your condition can't change, but don't let it trouble you, he says. Don't let that be like your source of, okay, I can't be happy until I have this life condition. Does that make sense? I think sometimes we, we think that way. Like, I, okay, well, when I, once I get to this level, or once I get this career, or once I finish this degree, or once I get into this space, then I'll be at peace. And, I, you know, then I can really go after my walk with God, and then I'll be able to, it's kind of, wait until I get beyond that peak and then. You know, we, we kind of, as human beings, we tend to think that way. And there's nothing wrong with striving to be better and striving to improve yourself and tr- trying, to, trying to, to, to glorify God with your life by, by taking steps up the social ladder, so to speak. But that doesn't bring real fulfillment. There's always another peak. There's always another rung. There, you can't ever get, you know what I mean? Uh, Jesus said it this, this way, even if you gain the whole world, yet lose your soul, what good is that? So Jesus came to bring a deeper peace and a deeper meaning, a deeper identity that doesn't come from those things that worldly, that worldly people look to for that. That's what Paul's talking about. However, he does say there is, look at this, this first verse again, let each of you lead the life the Lord has assigned to which God called you. So I want to, want, want to talk about that for a second. You know, this idea of a, the life the Lord assigned. Isn't that kind of interesting? So the calling, uh, as we talked about, is used for the idea of being called to be in a walk with God, being called to, to partner with God and sharing the gospel with others. But here, the word calling is being used with just a life, a, 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 you know, secular sort of responsibilities. It has implications for your family. I, there is one person who's been chosen to be a husband for my wife, and that's me. There's one person who's been chosen to be uh, a father to my kids. That's me. So I have a calling from God. There's one person who's been chosen to, 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 to shepherd and, and help lead this group right here. You know, this botanic garden service and the, you, you people, you wonderful people. You know, I've been chosen to be the leader. Sometimes I feel like, I don't know why me or how did I end up here, but amen. You know, God has given me this role. And so I want to do a great job, right? So amen. So whatever your life condition is, whatever, wherever you are, do you view it that way? Are you willing to view it that way? Like, I, I think, you know, when you talk to people about their jobs, most people kind of don't. You know what I mean? Most people kind of think, yeah, I, I'm a Christian in spite of this <laughs> situation, you know? I, I, okay, I can't wait to get off work so I can be a Christian, you know? Rather than trying to figure out how can I, how can I really fulfill the life God has assigned? There must be a reason God has me here. There must be a reason God has me doing this. God must have some plan. Uh, Martin Luther, when he talked about praying for daily bread, he said, when, he said this, quote, When you're praying for your daily bread, you are praying for everything that contributes to your having and enjoying your daily bread. You must open up and expand your thinking so that it reaches not only as far as the flour bin and baking oven, but also over broad fields, the farmlands, the entire country that produces, processes, and conveys to us our daily bread and all kinds of nourishment. What is he talking about? He's saying that you know, God works in our culture. God works 
through people and their work. You, you know, when you're praying for your daily bread, there's a lot that went into getting that bread. If you buy bread at Trader Joe's, there's a lot of things, things that went into delivering you that bread from Trader Joe's, right? So, so praying, you know, God help me to represent you in my cultural context, in my, in, in my society, where I live and operate. God help me to be a light in those places. And he says in verse uh, 23 here, let me, I forgot to go to the next slide. Uh, verse 23, you were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of human masters. So that's where if someone is free, don't allow yourself to become so indebted that you get enslaved because you're, you, you were bought at a price. You belong to God. And that, that has good implications for us and debt. Because in our, in our culture, especially here in Southern California, it is a culture of debt. It's a culture of, of putting ourselves into slavery to debt. Uh, I remember when we first moved here. We came from Colorado and uh, 26 years ago. And in Colorado, everyone, every single person's uh, windshield is cracked. That's just how Colorado is, you know. You, you, you get your windshield fixed, and then, you know, the next week, you know, you, uh, there's a pebble on the road, and you're, you know. That, and people drive junker cars. You know, that's just co kind of Colorado. We come here. We were living in, uh, on the corner of Western and Sepulveda by the railroad tracks in these uh, apartments called the, the Summer Glen Apartments. You know that the, the nicer the apartment name sounds, the more they're probably trying to make up for something, right? <laughs> So it was the Summer Glen Apartments on the corner of, of Western and Sepulveda, and uh, there was an oil well, two oil wells inside the property. So like, you're sitting in the hot tub, and there's this brick wall, and then you see the top of the oil go, as you're in the hot tub. But anyway, we're, we were paying $550 a month for rent, so that was pretty awesome. This was a long time ago. But, uh, but in the parking lot are Porsches, Mercedes, BMWs. We're like, what? <laughs> you know, being from Colorado, it does not process, you know. But that's kind of our culture. That's sort of, you know, that's kind of Southern California. We're, we're posers, you know. We try to put a front that we don't really have. Uh, and and, and we, we shouldn't do that. We belong to God. We were bought at a price. We don't have to prove anything to the world. And a little bit earlier in 1 Corinthians 6, the chapter before, verse 20, he says, You were bought with a price. Same thing. Therefore, glorify God with your body. So our identity in Christ affects the way that we live, that life that we've been called to. And it affects everything that we do. And so there should be competency in what we do. Like that means that you should do a great job at your job because you represent Christ. Uh, you should be known for being responsible. Now, you're, you're, not, you're not enslaved to that job, and, and, and so there should be a difference there, but there should be something about the quality of your work that is reflecting God because you're doing it for the Lord, not for men, right? Um, Sean was telling me about Lisa uh, and her job, and, and there was some, some stuff at work. There's always stuff at Lisa's work, you know, that's challenging. She has a very demanding, uh, high-powered job. But uh, she was wondering, you know, about her status, and she sort of talked to her boss, and are we good, and, you know, how do you feel? And they're like, oh, you're, I don't remember what she said, but something like, you're perfect. <laughs> you know, you're, you're the model. If everybody was like you, this would be an incredible company. You know, that's how they feel about Lisa at her, at her work. And that's awesome. You know, that should be our, 
our, our, our goal, that how can I, with my existing and abilities and opportunities, be of greatest service to other people here in this place? Knowing what I know of God, knowing what I know of his work, my walk with God, how can I be the best representative of who I am? Um, I remember at my old job, I, I had a corporate job for six years, and um, I told you a little bit about it a couple weeks ago, but earlier in the kind of story of this of this work, I was part of the sales force, and there was this guy who um, was kind of one of those guys like I was talking about where he's just out to make the sale, you know what I mean? He, it's kind of quick. Uh, we were taking calls. This was in the, before I moved into corporate sales, we were taking calls, and um, and so if you can kind of get, if you, if you can discern right away if this is someone who's going to buy or if this is somebody that's going to waste your time, you can kind of surf through and, and get to the sales. So th that's what this guy was really good at. Um, you know, sort of if it's customer service oriented, then send him to customer service right away and just kind of go after the sales. And he, and he worked really long hours and, and, and uh, he ended up, you know, he was always top of the sale. You know, they pass out the, the form of who's on the sales numbers. He was always at the top. And so they made him a manager. And so he becomes a sales manager. And I'm, I'm one of the, and I was never the top, but I wasn't at the bottom either. I was, you know, trying to do a good job. I'm, I'm trying to represent God, but, you know, this isn't my purpose in life either. And, uh, but we had, I never forget this meeting we had. He called me in. He's trying to motivate. He's new as a sales manager. He's trying to motivate me. And so he's telling me about the car that he just bought. And, uh, and, and he's telling me about how much money he made. And he's, he's, he's asking me about what kind of car I would like to buy. And he's trying to, you know, he, he's, he's talking about how much money I would like to make. And, you know, he's, he's just trying to paint this picture of, uh, of just, you know, buying this or buying that. Or he, he's talking about this is when, you know, big screen TVs were the thing, you know, those giant box things that probably ended up on the, on the curb, you know, at some point. But at the time, it's like the big screen, you know, TV and, but anyway, I just remember stopping him and going, look, I, I don't, th those things don't motivate me. I said, I want to do a great job here. I want to be like your best salesman, but because I'm a Christian, because I love God and I want to represent God. And, and he just kind of looked at me like, does not compute, <laughs> does not compute. You know what I mean? It's just sort of like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I, I, I'm like, we, we, our car, we drive, our, my wife's parents gave it to us, and it works great. I don't need a new car. You know what I mean? It's like, what? Um, and I'm not saying that to say, like, oh, I'm so great. I'm just, that's just really how I felt, and it just showed me, like, the difference in our kind of view towards work. And, and it's so funny because you fast forward, like, two or three years, and we, we met each other again at an appointment. At this point, and this is, I, I was in the tech industry from 94 to 2000. So this, and at this time in the tech industry, people were moving all over the place all the time. They were always shifting companies. And that was kind of the dot-com bubble was growing during those times and stuff. So anyway, he moved to another company. And, uh, and then I moved into corporate sales. And then I moved into marketing and product management. So now I am, this is maybe four years later or something, I'm a product manager and I'm in charge of our storage storage department of, of our company. So like hard drives and and CD-ROMs and, you know, everything kind of portable storage, everything related to storage. So he is a rep now. He's a vendor for this uh, these hard drives uh, called Phantom Hard Drives. And so now we're meeting 
but it, it's kind of flipped, right? Because before he was the manager and he was telling me how I need to do my job. Now I'm the, I'm the, the, the customer in a way. He's trying to sell me these hard drives. And it was so funny because, and these hard drives were really cheap. You know what I mean? And I already knew this guy. He just wants a, you know, he just wants a sale. And we already saw that, that these hard drives had bad reviews or they didn't have reviews because at that time, but you know, bad uh, return rates and stuff. And so we ended up not closing a deal with him, but, but it's kind of like the fruit of, of his operations led him to a place that wasn't even that good. And so it's kind of like we talked about a couple years ago, if you're out to just for self or you're out just to make a name for, you know, and make money, you might have immediate results, but in the long term, you're not going to have as much results as if you're trying to please God and trying to do a great job and you have character. Uh, so even, even God, God's way, even though it might not get you ahead in the short run, it, in the long run, God will bless it. You know, and I felt like that in my life. God blessed it. But it takes time. You know, it takes small little incremental steps of God working to produce fruit. So Jesus said, remain in me and I will remain in you and you will bear much fruit. But fruit is a botanical process. Botanic growth is slow growth, but it's incremental and it's, and it happens. There's a great verse in Zechariah 4.10, if you want to write it down. I love this verse. It says, do not, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. You know, as they were coming, God's people were coming back from exile and there was so much work to do. It's like, it's overwhelming. But God says to his people, don't despise these small beginnings. Like God, don't despise what small little thing, what small little difference you can make at work. God can multiply it. God takes our little bit and multiplies it into great, great things. And so I want to talk about this last line, remain with God. It says, brothers and sisters, there remain with God. It's really all about God at your work. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about what can God do? What will God do? Um, as I've shared with you before, I've been going to youth camp for 10 years now. And um, uh, I spoke at youth camp. The, 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 the theme of youth camp this last year was dream. And so we talked about having, a, having God's dream sharing God's dream. We talked about different people, and I just want to kind of share with you what some of these dreams were that these people had, and then how God's dream and God's plan and God's work was so much bigger than they even imagined. For example, Abraham, if you look at the story of Abraham, what Abraham wanted, he says to God, I don't want all my stuff to go to Eleazar of Damascus. That was basically his dream. I don't have a kid. Eleazar is going to get everything. You know what I mean? It's not very incredible. I mean, he was devout and he worshiped God, but that was his dream. God's dream is you're going to have as many descendants as stars in the sky and every nation on earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. Wow. You know, God took this little dream and made it something huge. You think of Joseph's dream. I want my brothers to give me some respect. Joseph got picked on his whole life by his bigger brothers. And his dad, he was special to his dad, and so his brothers took that out on him. And, uh, you know, that's all he really wanted. And he went through a lot, but in the end, what, what did God do? God had, had many lives saved. A whole country was saved. And Abraham's line was preserved. God set everything up through Joseph being in Egypt, right? The whole country was saved through him. You think about, oops, I just exited. Can you put me back, Fidel? Thank you. I hit the wrong button. Uh, you think about uh, Moses' dream, 
Moses wanted to stop the oppression of his people. And he tried to take matters of it into his own hands. And it didn't work. And so he ended up fleeing. And then he was on his own in the desert for 40 years as a shepherd. He just wanted to, to stop the oppression of his people. God wanted to make God known to Pharaoh and all of Egypt and all the nations of the world. God wanted to build a nation. God used Moses to build an entire country, establish a government, to give us scripture. The scripture really begins with Moses and his education. There wasn't written scripture before Moses. And, and so even the law and all that we have in scripture is all starts with Moses. So God has much bigger plans than you and I, right? Much bigger plans than you and I have. And so we want to be a church where you are, you know, people are not, it's not like don't wait for me or somebody else in leadership to go, hey, you ought to try this or you ought to do this to, to bless God or to bless the church or at your work. Just do it. You know, what, what is the spirit leading you to do? The power of the church is that each part does its work. The power of the church is that Holy Spirit, him living in you, directing you to do and serve and love and do God's work wherever you are. Within the church here, of course, on Sundays or when we're together, but also wherever you are in the world for you to do and, and serve and, and make stuff happen. You know, I appreciate Missy with making this partnership with House of Yahweh. House of Yahweh is this great institution that's doing a lot for the homeless people. And Missy just thought, I want to do more for the homeless people, and I don't know what to do, you know? And so she, I want to find somebody that's doing something and partner with them. And now a lot of us have been able to participate in that. And there's an opportunity coming up this Saturday if you want to help out with House of Yahweh. This isn't just a teen's project. This is anybody in the church that wants to help out. And what House of Yahweh is, is it's, it's, this, it's a thrift store, but it's so much more than that. There's a thrift store where homeless people can come and take clothes for free, and people can bring, uh, bring clothes. But they also have a counseling center for people that want to get off the streets and help and counsel them and guide them, because it's a complicated process, helping them with medical care and stuff like that. It's also, um, uh, they, they have an overnight treatment centers they work with and there's just a lot a lot to it that they're trying to do to, for homeless the homeless population that's 9 30 to 12 uh and you can see it on our facebook page if you want to help out this saturday but uh but i appreciate that you know i appreciate kevin richardson came over uh this last week and he is kevin served our country you know in uh, as a marine right marines air force, air force. sorry i know you're not supposed to get that wrong uh <laughs> but uh but he served our country and so he got uh, you know participated in the GI Bill, so he's, he's studying school, and he's been taking classes, and, but he came over because he wanted to talk about how can I pick the right classes that will most bless the church? Yeah. You know, how can I use this opportunity that God's given me to, to bless the work of God? You know, I appreciate that perspective. You know, if we all have that perspective, how can I use what's available to me to make the most impact? You know, that's the, that's the heart that we all want to have. Amen? Uh, so, so I want to talk about some examples in the Bible, and we're going to look at Esther uh, here. You know, there's different stories of people in the Bible who, like like Joseph, for example, but also Daniel, who it, it wasn't just their uh, what they did, but their connection to power, their connection to uh, people who had you know, the, the uh, people who had access to, to goods or people who had access to wealth or whatever. So, for example, uh, Nehemiah, he had this connection to the Persian king, you know, and through Nehemiah, you have the, king, the, the Persian empire paying for uh, the, 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 the people to go back and paying for 
the, the temple to be built. And, you know, that God works through these relationships. God works through being uh, what's called in the palace. Uh, there's this term that, uh, that scholars use to describe some of these stories of being in the palace. Like Daniel had this connection. Uh, Nehemiah had this connection. And Esther is an example of that. Uh, and the story of Esther is incredible. If you haven't read the book of Esther, it's very captivating. It's like a novel. It's, it's just so well written and it's so, uh, it's such a great story. Like I'm waiting for a really good movie from the book of Esther because it's so, so good. But I, I won't be able to tell the whole story, but Esther is a Jew, but she's living in Persia and Persia is far, far, far away from where God's people are now resettling in Jerusalem. It's up and in the Fertile Crescent. So she's over there. She's with the exiles, uh, uh, grows up there. She ends up, and without retelling the whole story, she ends up becoming queen of the country. She ends up being chosen by the king, and she ends up having this position of power. But she's not exactly representing God, because she is, uh, she, her husband doesn't even know she's a Jew. And so there's this thing that happens where there's this evil guy, uh, Haman, his name even sounds like a, you know, bad guy. Haman wants for all, the, he just hates Jews. He's anti-Semitic and he wants all the Jews to be killed. He wants them to be obliterated. And so he, he tries to convince the king to, to wipe out all the Jews. And then the king's like, I don't know. Okay, let's do it, I guess. And so, uh, you know, all the Jews are going to be killed in the, because, and Haman's argument is that they're insurrectionists and they're going to eventually rise up against you. And, and so you got to do something about this. So, so Esther doesn't even realize this is happening. And so she gets word that this is happening. And, uh, in, if you want to read with me in Esther chapter four, this is kind of a, a high point. Come back to that. Um, Esther chapter 4, it says, Hattach went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hattach and gave him a message for Mordecai saying, All the king's servants and all the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone may that person live. I myself have not been called to come in to the king for 30 days. When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. This is good. Do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than the other Jews. For if you keep silent at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter. But you and your family's family will perish. Your father's family will perish. Who knows, perhaps you have come to royal dignity for such a time as this, for just such a time as this. Then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, hold a fast on my behalf, and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast as you do. After that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So again, uh, Esther's not this ideal model person of God, but she is in just the right spot to do something for God's people. And she's just kind of saying, I just don't want to be involved. You know, I, she's probably going, let somebody else do it. 
you know, I, I don't want to get in trouble. There was this rule that you can't just go and talk to the king. Even if you're the queen, you can't just go, hey, honey, I, I want to bring something up. No, you know, if you just go in there, you'll, I mean, th this is ancient times in Persia and these, these kings were really full of themselves and all that. So, you know, you can't come in and talk to me unless I ask for you. That was their, their posture. So if she comes in, the, the penalty is she's going she's gonna to be killed just for doing that. And he had already killed one wife, by the way, Vashti. He'd already killed her. So he has a reputation for killing wives, you know. Um, so, so she goes, I, I'm not allowed to do it. And Mordecai goes, you got to do something. You got to do what you can. Maybe God has put you in this position for just such a time as this. And, and I love Mordecai's faith. He, he goes, we are the people of God. God's going to bring deliverance, maybe just not from you. And if that happens, you're going to find yourself on the wrong side. You're going to find yourself against God and you're going to be blown away. But God will, God is going to deliver his people. It just won't be through you. But maybe God has a plan to use you. And so her, her plan is, Look, okay, I w I'm going to do it. You know, you see a transformation, right? You see a change of her heart going, okay, and if I perish, I perish. She's willing to, to sacrifice her whole life uh, because she wants to, to, to fill whatever role God has for her there. And so I think uh, working together makes a difference. So it's, it's, it's we, we have a life God's assigned us, right? We got to remain with God. It's God working through us, but we also need each other. We also need each other. Esther needed Mordecai. And that, those words of encouragement, that little, you know, that little extra help. And so with our, 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 our lives and our, our relationships with each other, I think it's super important that we have th these kinds of talks with each other. And so I want to give you guys a, a discipling time assignment. And I will, uh, I will email this to you as well. But this is something to talk about with another person. Okay? Uh, about your work. And what could God be doing in your work? Now again, you could... Think about it, talk about it with God first, but it helps to talk to another person. Just like Mordecai was super important in Esther's uh, life there. What worldviews are predominant in my profession and how is mine different? In other words, what are the culture, what's the culture of my, where I work or where I go to school? You know, what's important? What are the idols that I want to watch out for? What are the values that I can agree with? That's number two. What do I affirm? What do I reject? Like, what do I think, yes, this is right and Christian? Oh, no, this is wrong. And I've, I've got to press, push against that. Like, you know, what is that at my work? And lastly, what, what ideas do you have for the work God has prepared for you? Ephesians 2 says, God's prepared God, uh, God prepares work for us in advance for us to do. And, and, and in 1 Corinthians 7, as we read today, God has a, a, a life he's assigned to you. So what could that be? You know, is there for such a time as this moment for you at your work or in your position? Uh, or, or, you know, why does God have you there? What do you think God is doing? What, are there any specific needs that you've been qualified to meet? And, uh, and I, I just want to say this. I, I, we don't have a lot of time to talk about this, but if you're a guest today, what discipling time means, we just believe that there's more to our relationships with each other than just seeing each other on Sunday. And so we meet up during the week in small groups or one-on-one. -on -one. And so discipling is what we call helping another person to be a disciple of Jesus. Uh, and so we call it discipling where we're helping one another, we're talking. Uh, what discipling is not is uh, therapy, all right? So, because here's what I'm hearing. Dessa has a little side job of she's working on making sure everybody that's a member of the church has somebody that they're getting with regularly. And what she's finding out is there are a lot of people who are not getting together. 
There's not a lot, a lot of people who are maybe, maybe supposed to be, but they're not. And so I want, want to talk just a second about why that might be. It's not therapy. Like, if, if you're in a discipling relationship, you don't have to feel like you know how to solve this person's problems. You know what I mean? It's not, you're not, I'm not trained as a therapist. You're not, now some of you might be, but I'm not, you know. So it's not therapy. Um, it's not control either. It's not, okay, we're in a discipling relationship, and so I'm here to tell you what to do, right? What is it? It's friendship. It's love. It's prayer together. It's prayer support. Uh, it's advice. Advice is good and godly. The book of Proverbs is full of admonition about getting advice, but it's still just advice. It's not control right? It's advice. Um, it's a safe place. It should be, we should be free to talk about what's really going on in our lives. It not, not a place of, of fear, where there's fear, but it's a safe place. And yet there is some admonishment sometimes. Mordecai was a little strong there with her, right? Uh, she needed that, but I'm sure she felt loved. This was her uncle. Mordecai's her uncle, and I'm sure that that relationship, she felt secure. There should be security in that relationship where you can talk about what's really going on or talk about what you know what I mean? What you're really feeling. Just a little bit about what it is. So if you're not getting together, I know, I know, I believe all of us have the best intentions. I think you guys want to get together. Like, discipling is a big part of our church. I think it's just a matter of figuring out how to make it happen. Uh, you know, I was talking to somebody who had little kids about that and how it's hard to get together because they have little kids. And I totally remember, we have three kids, but they're old now. But when they were little, it was hard to get with another couple. But we would do, we would meet at Ikea and get free childcare. Uh, we would meet at McDonald's, let our kids play in the playland while we talk. Uh, we would meet at a park, let the kids play on the playground, play, playground while we talk to somebody else. I mean, the Fosters remember that. I remember getting with you guys at the park. You know, the, the kids would run and play. Sometimes you meet another couple there and their kids or another mom or whatever. You know, it's, it becomes outreach or whatever. So you got to be creative. Um, you can't always meet as couples. I think as couples is good if you're in a discipling relationship with another couple, but you can't always do that. It's sometimes a lot easier for the guys to get together real early, meet at Starbucks before work or meet really late. You know, let's go for a prayer time at the beach at nine at, nine in, at night. Oh, it's a sacrifice. I have to get up at six. Yeah, it is, but you're not going to die, you know? <laughs> meet somebody nine o'clock, go pray together for half an hour. You'll be all right. You know what I mean? Like we just got to make it happen. Oh, I have so much to do. You know, some of the, you know, I have, I have to do all these chores. Well, you know what? That sister you're in a discipling relationship, she might have a bunch of chores too. Go do them together. Right? Dustin and Lisa always go do their chores together. You know, <laughs> they go shopping for back to school together every year or whatever. Figure out what, what, what can we do? How can we make it happen? Does that make sense? Or, or, okay, we're already going to church. Let's go to lunch after. Or let's go to breakfast before. Just be creative. A lot of times it's just a matter of being creative. And if you can get something that works, try to keep doing it. Like, oh, it worked to have breakfast before church. Okay, well, let's do this twice a month. Okay, let's do it. Boom, right? Instead of always sort of, I know we ought to get together. Uh, amen. So we'll keep talking about that because I think that's important. Before we take communion, um, Esther saved her people through identification and mediation. She identified with her people and she mediated for them. She, she put herself in the place of all of her people, and she was able to make a difference uh, because of it. She, she saved them through that. Who does that sound like to you? Jesus. He identified with us, and he mediates for us. He was in the position of all power, all authority, the, the, the place of honor, the creator of the universe, and yet he became down to earth, and he lived as a carpenter, an ordinary person, 
He walked among us. He identified with us and he mediated for us. He paid the price for our sin in, in, in his body on the cross. He paid for us. He had equality with the Father, Philippians 2 says, and yet he emptied himself and became nothing so that you and I could have a walk with God. Uh, Esther, she was willing to give her life. She said, if I perish, I perish. I'm willing, to, I'm willing to give it all. Jesus knew he would give his life, and he knew the suffering he would go through, and yet he still went through it for you and I. Now he stands before the throne of God and continues to mediate for us, the Bible says. He continues to, to cover our sins. So uh, let's remember that and reflect on that as we pray for communion together. God, thank you for Jesus and his blood and body given for us. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to uh, celebrate that together as a body of Christ, uh, to, to have communion with one another and with Jesus. Uh, bless this time of meditation and remembrance and bless the decisions that we make and conversations that we have about how to represent you in wherever it is that we work or go to school or whatever it is that we do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 